I am discovering me. Discovering me. My identity was hidden, taken from me, long before my ancestors began hanging from trees. The serpent, he was the real thief, deceiving my sister Eve. He made me forget I was royalty. My father is a king. I am the daughter of the everlasting, loving, omniscient three. He came to give me life. This world wants to take it away. He never intended for it to be this way. Free will, a blessing, and a curse. Say my name. My life matters. God said it first. Discovering me. Redefining my identity. Made fearfully and wonderfully, flaws and all, my destiny was altered when I heard his call. I can't see where I'm going, but I know what I'm leaving behind. My faith is blind, lamps at my feet as I shoulder his load. I feel light, I see life as I walk the Samaritan road. Hello everyone. So normally I would just allow it to jump into the next poem that would describe what this episode is about, but because of the nature of this episode, I just wanted to create a trigger warning. So this episode is going to be about grief. Um, And so the poem that you're going to hear is a poem that I had written about my father's death. And this is a poem that I had written just describing my emotions during that time. And because this is a podcast episode about grief and about death and just about mourning, I just wanted to give that uh, warning in the beginning. So thank you for listening, and I hope that this episode encourages you. Cold, harsh air. Why did he choose such a fate? I wonder what he was thinking about. Was life a greater force than he could take? I ask many questions. They remain unanswered. Was it something he conjured up in his mind? Could someone please help me? I need to know. Did he think before the deed was done? They say they don't know. I don't believe them, though. Was it so bad he couldn't talk? Couldn't talk to anyone? He had to tell someone. This isn't a joke. I need to know the last words he spoke. Was it impulse? Was it planned? What was his reason for the job at hand? Did he kiss me on my forehead as I laid asleep, asleep deep in a dream? Did he see it as an easy way out? Why didn't I awake? I could have stopped him. I didn't know it was his life he wanted to take. It wasn't a mistake. On purpose, I'm sure. I was only ten. In my head, I play it over and over again. This isn't like anything I've felt before. I go upstairs. He isn't there. Nothing but cold, harsh air. I cry so much my face turns red. I go downstairs. There he lay. I don't know if I should run away. So many thoughts running through my head. Is he dead? Is he awake? I don't know if his body I should shake. I regret that night going to bed. I should have stayed up. Then daddy wouldn't be dead. I run upstairs as fast as I can. Someone please help. He concluded his plan. It isn't fair. Didn't he care? Didn't he think I'd need him here? He wasn't to die. Not yet. It's too soon. He left in my heart an open wound. A wound that can't be mended. To feel better, yes, I pretended. Pretended he was there. But all that was left was cold, harsh air. Hello, everyone. This is Nori, your host of the Discovering Me podcast. And today I wanted to talk about a topic that can get kind of heavy. 
Um, I wanted to talk about grief. I feel like, you know, with the way things are right now, with 2020, with just all the things going on in the world, I think a lot of people are experiencing grief or deep sorrow, um, whether it's through loss of, you know, family, friends, um, or loss of a job or loss of hope or loss of something that you worked really hard for, whatever it may be. I think a lot of people are going through loss and I'm really feeling it for those around me this week. And even for my own grief, um, you know, there's just been a lot going on, um, the last two years, but for me specifically the last month or so, I just feel like, you know, everything has just been really difficult. Um, and that a lot of people are just exper- experiencing this deep sorrow. Um, so the first time I can ever remember experiencing this sorrow is my father's death, you know, when I was 10. I, I remember because my father, you know, he was my, my dad. You know, I loved him. I was very grateful for him. I, I had a great relationship with my dad. And when he died, um, I remember feeling a lot of different things, but not really sure how to deal with them. I remember feeling um, like insecure for some reason. I remember feeling really sad. I remember not fully understanding what him being gone meant. Um, But the way that I kind of dealt with it was to act like it didn't happen. Um, Sometimes I would pretend that he was at work Um, or that he was just away on a really long business trip or something like that. Like, I don't know. I just didn't fully understand the concept of him being gone. Um, and so, yeah, that was really hard. And I think the way that I dealt with it wasn't necessarily healthy. I just kind of moved on, (laughs) you know, I just kind of was like, all right, well that happened and it's sad, but I can't stay here forever. And I don't, and I was 10, you know, I didn't know how to deal with grief. I didn't know how to deal with sorrow. And of course I cried and, you know, I, I asked a lot of questions and I had my own thoughts and feelings and things or whatever. But as far as actually grieving, I didn't really have the proper tools to do that. I didn't know what that looked like or how to deal with that. So I don't think I fully grieved my father's death until I was probably about 20 something. I think I, I think I, you know, the, the the sadness of it all, the the deep sorrow part of it, like, I dealt with. But I don't know. I just feel like I didn't fully um, understand at that age what it meant. And so I had to grieve it a couple times at different parts of my life. And I think that that's normal. You know, grieving is cyclical. Um, I think that we grieve, especially people at different stages of life. I know... I grieved my father's passing when it happened, and then I grieved it again, you know, when I was 16, and then I grieved it again when I was 18, and I grieved it again when I turned 21, and when I got married, and, you know, just all these different life stages where I realized that he wasn't going to be there. Um, And so, yeah, but like I said, I just kind of moved on from it. I didn't really deal with those emotions. I mean, when I got older, I did, but not the way that, you know, would be healthy. So that kind of set the tone for how I dealt with grief moving forward. I know I didn't have any really major, um, you know, super close, like, you know, my mom or my siblings or anything like that. Nothing like that happened. Like nobody passed away to that regard. So my grandparents are still alive. So 
you know, I had losses, but none that hit me as hard as the loss of my dad. Um, and so it wasn't until uh, earlier this year when I had the miscarriage that I was kind of forced to deal with that grief again. Um, I had been, well, before we get there, I had been studying out joy for since 2017. I still am. Joy is so difficult for me. Maybe one day I'll do an episode on joy, but I've been studying out joy. Um, and in studying out joy, I realized that I avoid joy because I feel as though it's going to lead to this deep sorrow. It's hard for me to celebrate things because there's going to be something that comes right after is how I've always felt. It was like as soon as something good happened, that meant something bad was going to happen. And so it was just easier for me to expect the bad things and only semi enjoy the good things. Um, so it, it felt like, yeah, like I said, it felt like it would make the disappointment easier to deal with. Um, and so when I became pregnant last year, my husband and I, we weren't trying. It just kind of happened by an accident. And my immediate thought was, unfortunately, was I'm not going to carry this baby full term. It was just the first thing I thought because, I don't know, I guess I kind of set myself up for the devastation in advance because I didn't want to fall apart afterwards. So I just decided, you know what? I don't want to think that way about this baby. I don't want to, you know, start mourning its loss before it even has a chance to try to survive. So instead, I'm just going to pray about it. And I decided that I was going to act as if this baby was going to live and that this pregnancy was going to go full term. And I decided to engage in the joy of that and engage in, you know, those emotions and just choose to be happy. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, I was obviously it was still in the back of my mind, you know, that something bad could happen. But I kept trying to tell myself, don't think about those things. Just, you know, pray about it. Trust God. Pray about it. Trust God. So, of course, then when I had the miscarriage, a whole slew of emotions came over me. I was extremely sorrowful. I was angry. I was frustrated. I was sad. I was just, I was confused. And I just felt like, God, like, why would you allow this to happen? Why would you give me this blessing that I did not ask for? Allow me to become joyful about it. Allow me to be excited and to start planning this life and you knew all along that this life wasn't going to last, that you knew that this wasn't going to be something that was going to go full term. Like, why did you even let me get there? And I remember being so angry and just mad at God and just feeling like, why did you put me here? Why did you even allow me to get excited? Why did you allow me to have hope? And I just had all of these angry feelings and I had to learn in that moment how to process grief because I was so angry. And I realize now that that anger came from just feeling betrayed. I felt like God had kind of tricked me in a way. I felt like he didn't really have my best interest in mind, that he didn't really, you know, care about my feelings. You know, I felt like 
I felt like he, yeah, like he tricked me. I felt betrayed. I felt sad. I felt angry that I allowed myself to have this hope, that I allowed myself to be excited, that I forced myself to think about the positive side of it. And it just made me feel angry. And I realized that that, I think that's one of the stages of grief. I don't know the stages of grief, but I know that First, it's that disappointment, and then it's anger. And I actually read this quote this morning. I don't know who this woman is. Her name is Emily Giffen. But it says, in, the, in days that follow, I discover that anger is easier to handle than grief. And I think that that's something that's important to recognize when you're grieving is just recognizing that anger is a part of it. You know, you, you lost something and you're angered by that loss. But you can't live there is what I'm learning is you can't stay in that place because anger is just easier than being sad because sadness hurts, but anger feels righteous. Anger feels like this is why this is this way and it's this person's fault and I'm mad at that person instead of really feeling the sadness. I know when my dad died, I was angry at God. You know, I was angry that Everybody kept telling me, oh, he's in a better place now. He's with God now. And I'm like, well, why does God need him? Mind you, I'm 10. But why does God need him? I need him. Like, why does God get to have my dad? Why did God take my father away? And death is just part of life. And we all are on borrowed time is kind of what I'm learning. And in that borrowed time, it's really about how we spend it, about how we choose to engage in the world. And so just coming back to grief, what I've been learning is that God meets us in our grief, that God doesn't look at us when we're sad and say, get up, keep going. You need to fight. You need to just do this and you need to just be righteous and you need to, you know, he doesn't do that. I specifically think of Elijah in first Kings 19, you know, he became overwhelmed and scared and sad. He had his life threatened. He had been doing amazing things for God. You know, he had been fighting people and, you know, just doing all these great things for God. And then as soon as something came up that was difficult, something that scared him, you know, he was just like, God, just let me die. Like, you know, let me just (laughs) take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors, you know, and he just kind of laid down and fell asleep. And when I think of grief, when I think of when I'm going through something and when I'm really hurting to my core, that is exactly how I feel. In my depression, that is exactly how I feel. I feel like, God, you know what? It would just be easier if I just ceased to exist because I can't deal with this anymore. I can't keep going. I can't keep fighting. I can't keep doing this. I just, the ups and the downs and the happiness and the sadness, it's its too much. It feels so overwhelming and it feels so hard and difficult. And I feel like God expects me, and this is a misconception, but I, in my mind, it feels like I should be happy. Like God doesn't want me to be sad. God doesn't want me to deal with these things. He wants me to just say, you know what? Like, let me just keep going. I think my misconception, even of the cross, you know, I always think like Jesus was like, okay, like, all right, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to save people's lives. But no, he said, I am overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He had those same feelings that I have that you have, you know, he, he didn't just 
go to the cross willingly and say, all right, God, like, here I am. Like, let's do this. Let's go. It's going to hurt for a bit. But after that, like, we're going to be good to go. And we're just going to keep saving lives. Like, no, Jesus had to pray. He had to fight. He had to cry. He mourned what he was losing. And I think that that is something that we don't do well in our society. I think that that's something that is difficult for us. I think that we just say, you know what? Life has to go on. We just got to keep pushing. We just got to keep going. Things have to get done. Bills have to be paid, you know, and we don't take the time to process what we're dealing with. And that stuff that we're dealing with still comes out. It still gets pushed on other people. We still lash out. We still react out of hurt. We still take things wrong when we feel like we're being accused or like somebody's trying to hurt us when that isn't necessarily the case. We don't know how to properly grieve. We don't know how to properly give the space for people to grieve. And it's hard for us. And I I like the example in 1 Kings 19 because there's an angel that comes to Elijah and gives him food and gives him drink and just tells him to rest. And God allows that for 40 days. And I just feel like 40 days, like that's a month and 10 days. And when I think about that, and I think about the amount of time that Elijah took to just cry and just be, and that God gave him the space to do that. And this isn't the only example of it. I see it again when Lazarus dies, you know, that, um, uh, what you call it? When Lazarus dies, God knew he was going to bring Lazarus back. Like Jesus knew that he was going to revive him, but he was still sad for him. In John 11, he was still sad. He cried, you know, he was still mourning the loss of his friend, even while he was still doing what God had called him to do. So I'm not saying that we need to lay in our beds for 40 days and 40 nights, but I just think that we need to take space that it's important for us to just feel what we're feeling and knowing what we need in that. I think that that is one thing that has been really hard for me. Um, I know like when I had my miscarriage, people kept asking me, well, what can I do for you? What do you need? How can I be there for you? You know, the pe- the close people to me that knew. And I had no idea. And again, when I got sick, people were like, you know, when I was having the tremors and stuff and people were like, well, I still have them, but just not as bad. But people were like, you know, how can I help you? How can I be there for you? How can I comfort you during this time? And, you know, because I've never taken the space for myself, because I've never taken the time for myself, I've never actually stopped and thought about what I needed. And I never stopped and thought about what processing my grief looked like to me. Um, my friends are trying to create that space for me. But they didn't know how. And I didn't know how to let them in. And if this is something that you're good at, if this is something that's your strength, please share it. Because I know for me, learning how to deal with my emotions in a healthy way has been the brunt work of everything that I've been doing during this time that I've been home. I think that because I never process my emotions, I never process what I'm dealing with. I never, you know, really think about why I feel the way I do. Oftentimes, so here's the difference, right? So oftentimes when I'm going through something, I acknowledge that I'm going through that and I say, but I don't have time for that. I have to focus on this. Or 
God wouldn't want me to deal with that right now. God wouldn't want me to focus on that. I need to be selfless. I need to be focused. I need to, you know, share my faith. I need to make sure that I'm encouraging other people. I need to be at this event. I need to love on these people. But that's not true. I see it time and time again as I'm studying it out. Like, God really wants to meet us in our grief. Jesus was fully engaged in his grief. So if Jesus needed space to cry and needed space to mourn, then who am I to say that I don't? You know, Jesus is the example of what we're supposed to be. And so, yeah, I'm just learning a lot about grief and how to be there for people even, because I think often in our society, we want to say, it's going to be okay. And I'll pray and, you know, uh, let's pray about it. And, you know, let's do something together. Let's go out and let's, and, you know, some people that's, some people that's great, you know, constant praying with them, constant, you know, checking in on them and, you know, being there with them. Some people like that really helps them to get through those difficult times. I'm learning for me that I need a couple days to myself to just process my emotions. And maybe that'll change. Maybe that won't be, you know, what I um, need all the time. But I'm just learning that I need that time to myself to really just kind of sit and be sad and to really think. And it's okay to just want to sit in my sorrow sometimes, like not dwell in it and mope in it and be like, oh, woe is me, but to just feel it. You know, um, when I had my miscarriage, like I just needed to cry. I just needed to be by myself. I just needed to feel my emotions. I just needed to mourn that loss and to be okay to mourn that loss and not told like, well, don't worry, like you can get pregnant again or don't worry. Like, you know, um, most miscarriages, you know, the first one, I mean, most pregnancies, the first one ends in miscarriage or, you know, you can have a couple miscarriages and still go on to have healthy pregnancies. And it's like, that's great. And I'm totally grateful for the people who said those things who are trying to comfort me. But what I'm learning is that in that moment, I really just need to say here, it's okay to be sad. And I had great friends that said that as well. So, and I'm not like, putting down the friends who tried to encourage me, I think that that's the way that they love. And I expressed to them, you know, what I needed and they were able to change it and give me what I needed. So, but I think that it's important to know what you need. You can't expect people to just know. I know that it's hard in your grief to express what you need and maybe you just need to take that time to think about it. But when people ask you, I think take them up on those words, take them up on what it is that, you know, They're asking you, even if you don't know in that moment, you know, I don't know what I need right now, but when I know what I need, I'll let you know. And that's kind of what I'm learning in my grief is to really be able to just process my emotions, to allow myself that space. I never give myself that space for grief. I just kind of press through and just keep going. And yeah, so that's what I'm learning. I'm just learning that it's okay to be sad that I need to feel that sadness in order to overcome and to grow and to move forward. And it's okay when that sadness cycles back around. It's not going to be a one and done. And again, this is the loss of a family member, the loss of a pet, the loss of a relationship, whether that's a friend or a romantic relationship, whatever that is, 
And sometimes you mourn all of those things in one, right? Because if it's a family member or a friend or even a pet, like you have a relationship with those people, those animals, you know, it's a relationship. You are getting something from that. And now that's gone. And then you miss the person in and of themselves. And so it's like this, it's these layers to grief that I'm, I'm unmasking. And with mourning a miscarriage, it's difficult because I'm mourning someone that I've never met. I'm mourning what I thought was going to be. I'm mourning the hopes. I'm mourning what I expected life to become. And I'm mourning the dreams that I had for that life. And it's sad. And sometimes, you know, I look at people and I see their families. And it's so funny because I've never, I'd never really wanted to be pregnant. But I still, you know, I mourn that. And it's not like I'm like, oh, now I'm like desperate to have a family. No, I'm, I'm like, if it happens for me, great. And if it doesn't, like, I love the life that I have as well. But I still need to mourn what I thought was going to be, what I thought I was going to have, you know, mourning the idea of my husband being a father and mourning the idea of me being a mother and my mom being a grandmother, you know, just recognizing those emotions um, and allowing them to exist without telling myself that I don't have time for them or that, you know, they need to be pushed aside. So, yeah, I just wanted to share that um, and just share that grief and just share what I've been learning about it. And um, I've been praying for all of those that are close to me that are experiencing losses. I've been, you know, really thinking deeply about the relationships that I have. And I'm really grateful for those of you who are in my life. Um, And I just pray that through these difficult times that we can all Just lean on each other and ask each other what we need. Ask each other what would be, you know, the best way to help each other through these difficult times. Um, So, yeah, I hope you guys um, connected with this in some way that, you know, it can help you to understand your own grief a little bit better and to understand that grief doesn't just have to be, you know, from a relationship with a person, but that it could even be of a hope, of a career, of something that you thought would come and it didn't. And just being okay with mourning that and allowing yourself the space and communicating what you need during that time. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Discovering Me. I hope that you are inspired and spurred on toward a deeper connection with God. If you're looking for a church in the Southern Connecticut area, search Southern Connecticut Church of Christ. And don't forget, tune in next Monday for a new episode. And always remember to faithfully pursue a life of passion.